1: Hello and welcome to episode 203 of the UK True Crime Podcast. I'm Adam. Today we head to Glasgow and the world of bodybuilding. But first, you've probably seen all over social media that the original CrimeCon is coming to London in June next year. I'll be there and available all weekend for beers. So it'll be awesome to see you there too. Just head to crimecon.co.uk and use the code UKTC for your discount ticket, I hope to be able to offer some free tickets to my Patreon supporters. And by the way, if you support me on Patreon with the new annual subscription, for a limited time you'll get two months free of charge. Just head to Patreon.com/slash UKTrueCrime. And talking of Patreon, as always, a huge thank you to all my supporters there, but especially this week's new members of this most exclusive club. That is Gaynor Parkinson, Ellie Seris, Adele Moll, David Lampard and Claire O'Mara. Thank you all so much for your support, which means so much. And a special shout out this week to my Instagram friend Paige. I'm so jealous you're on holiday again next month. This episode is brought to you by Best Fiends. Have you played this game yet? I'm only on level 92, but I already love Best Fiends as it's a casual game you can just play when you have a few minutes free. It's great as you don't need internet connection, and I played earlier today, for example, on my phone, when I had 20 or 25 minutes free whilst the children were go-karting. I really enjoy the challenging puzzles, and the gameplay is awesome with great characters who you collect during the game. Like me, I guarantee you will love the vibrancy of the colour quality of the game design, which for me is always a really big deal. Why not come and join me on Best Fiends? Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this 5-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. 2020 has been a pretty tough year for all of us and many of us are struggling in certain parts of our lives. For me, it's been finding the right balance of spending time at work and with family and worrying that I'm failing in both. Whatever is interfering with your happiness, better help will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. To be really clear, it's not self-help, it's professional counselling in a safe and private online environment. No more of that sitting in unwelcoming waiting rooms. And you don't want to wait around once you've made the decision to go ahead. So you can start tomorrow. And you can schedule weekly phone and video sessions and contact your counsellor anytime. What's more, it's more affordable than traditional offline counselling and it's available worldwide. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash UK. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, slash UK. Let's quickly take a look at the events taking place at the time of today's story. Top of the UK and US chance was one dance from Drake featuring Wizkid and Kyla. Number one in the Australian album chart was Good Charlotte with Youth Authority. In the news this month, the Chilcot Report, the UK-Iraqi war inquiry, costing staggering amounts of public money, was finally released, as was Pokemon Go. Andy Murray won at Wimbledon for the second time and Theresa May was elected Prime Minister, not by the electorate of course, but by Tory MPs. Sadly this month, actress and comedian Caroline Ahern died at just 52. And in UK true crime news, the body of author Helen Bailey was found this month. Her partner Ian Stewart would later be found guilty of her murder. Did you guess the month and year? It was July 2016. In March 2016, bodybuilder Michael O'Hanlon won his biggest competition yet, when he was crowned Mr Scotland by the National Amateur Bodybuilding Association. It was a remarkable 23 years after the 45-year-old had won his first title. At 6 foot tall and 17 stone 3 pounds, he was in amazing shape and Michael had worked incredibly hard for success. And it hadn't all been easy for Michael, known by his friends as Musk over recent times. In 2013, he'd been made bankrupt and his wife was on the verge of leaving him when he also received a very harsh 7 months jail sentence. Michael spent a lot of time working out at the gym, as you'd expect, and he'd been taking a lot of supplements containing large amounts of caffeine. As this kept him awake at night, he started to see what would help him sleep, and so he began taking Diazepam, taking at least 10 tablets at a time after working out. To do this, he began buying in bulk, and then he began sharing it with some friends. He denied this was dealing as no money was involved and ever changed hands but this time in court he came up against a particularly strong judge who showed no sympathy and sent him to prison. But when we joined the story in July 2016, things were going much better. He was now Mr Scotland and he was engaged to his fiancée Elaine and they were due to marry at a Scottish castle on the 15th of August that year. Eileen too had not had an easy time, including in 2014 when masked men broke into her home, stealing a significant amount of cash and jewellery and leaving her with facial injuries. Police made several arrests but the investigation collapsed when Eileen was unable to identify the suspects. But that was all behind the couple now and they had loads to look forward to. Michael had previously worked as a head door steward at a Glasgow nightclub, but now the couple ran two bodybuilding shops in Falkirk and Glasgow, and Michael's success in becoming Mr Scotland was surely going to be great for business. The second shop had only recently opened, and speaking about that to the Falkirk Herald newspaper, Michael said, I've been involved in bodybuilding since I was 15. When I was at school, I was this skinny guy. So I started going to the gym and things just went from there. Michael was a really popular man, known for being super helpful to anyone looking for advice on developing their physique. And Eileen's friends commented that they'd never known her to be happier than she was now with Michael. But there was just one issue, and that was Eileen's ex-partner, 43-year-old Steve Kirkwood, who was causing the couple problems. Steve had been with Eileen for 16 years, and despite splitting three years or so earlier, there were still abusive texts and Facebook messages going back and forth between the pair. It was two-way. Steve was very unpleasant about her and Musk, and Eileen sent similar messages about Steve's new partner. If you've been in that situation, luckily I haven't, you will know better than me the difficulties that this sniping and unpleasantness all round can cause. On the 25th of July, at 8.21 in the morning, Steve Kirk would post another Facebook post. Let me read it verbatim, with apologies that it reads like it was written by an angry 12 year old who had skipped a lot of school. This is the text that I have sent to my ex, in brackets, the tramp, and her retarded boyfriend, aka Mr. Musk. Because all they want to do is abuse and threaten my partner, who I may add is seriously ill. So I've had enough. Let's see if they like the other me. The tramp knows what I'm like. She called me a fucking nutcase for years. I'm now going to show them nutcase. Did you ever tell Laura the truth that you were a pure cow and Musk was sleeping with you before we got married? And he was spiking her with shit Valium? That's why she put weight on and was waking up in front of fridge. Didn't fucking think so. Musk, be a real man and deal with your own shit. Stop trying to get the, <clears throat> to sort me out. See if I give a flying fuck about what you have or what you're doing. You are fucking deluded. The only reason I put shit on Facebook was because that fucking old slapper you're with keeps texting my missus and giving her abuse. It's been going on for three years, telling people it's me. I don't give a fuck about her. And just to let you know, I'm no on smack kit bass, coke or anything else. Never have been. So if you feel you want to be jolly Big Bores, feel free to come to Hammy's and see me. I'll be there at 12 today. Oh, and let the tramp know we're not fighting over her as she loves the drama. This is just because you're a prick. There we have it, that was the Facebook message he posted at 8.21 in the morning. Back at Eileen and Michael's home, Michael was getting really fed up with this ongoing hostility. He didn't quite see the point when everyone should be moving on with their own lives. When he saw this latest post, he just shook his head. Hammy's, the place referred to in the Facebook message, was an auto-tech garage owned by a man known to both of them called Ian Hamilton. Michael contacted a friend who he'd known and trusted for over 30 years and was a former World's Strongest Man competitor called Forbes Cowan and they decided to go to the garage at 12 to talk about this ongoing feud and finally bring it to an end. As he left the house, Ideen asked if she could come along too. Michael said no, gave her a kiss and a cuddle and told her he wouldn't be long. He then shut the door got in the car with Forbes and headed off from his home on the coast in Irvine for the 40-minute journey to Stevenson, Glasgow, where Ian Hamilton's garage was based. Eileen hoped he wouldn't be too long because that afternoon they were planning to go shopping for wedding rings. After he'd left the house, Eileen waited restlessly for news about the meeting. But when he uncharacteristically failed to respond to her text, she phoned him and the phone just rang out. At that stage, Eileen phoned the garage, where she was told that something had happened. Without waiting to hear any more, she got in her car and raced to the garage. When she arrived after a journey that seemed to take forever, the garage and the area around it was cordoned off. Eileen ran straight through the cordon, and she could see that Michael was on the ground, his friend Forbes was holding him. She tried to get to him, the police said that she couldn't. It turned out that Michael had been stabbed four times. There were two to the left side of his chest and one to the back of his right shoulder. Neither of these were life-threatening. But unfortunately, the fourth stab wound was in Michael's abdomen and had cut two major blood vessels to his legs, which caused massive internal bleeding. And at just 45, with so much to live for, Michael O'Hanlon died of these injuries on the industrial estate in Ayrshire. As this horror was happening, meanwhile, at the Muscle Junction shop in Paisley, owned by Steve Kirkwood's stepson Derek, the door opened and in came Steve Kirkwood. He was shaking and clearly in a state of some distress. He embraced Derek, telling him and a customer who was in the shop, that he'd been fighting with Musk, adding, I think I've killed him. He then asked for a set of clothes identical to the jeans, dark t-shirt and Timberland boots he was wearing, and for some money. He said it had all kicked off, and he'd stabbed Muskie, and the blade he used was in his car. Shortly afterwards, Kirkwood gave himself up to detectives. Ian Hamilton, the owner of the garage, was interviewed by detectives, and he said it was around midday that he was eating his lunch when Kirkwood walked into the office. Shortly afterwards, Michael and Forbes Cowan arrived. Hamilton said, and I quote, Mr. Cowan entered the office first and requested for Mr. Kirkwood to come outside. There were heated words exchanged between the two of them and Mr. Cowan attempted to remove Mr. Kirkwood. Mr. Kirkwood told him, It's got fuck all to do with you, it's to do with his fucking stupid bird. Michael then charged through the door with his head down and came at Stephen. They tussled, it was a scrummage. It was a wrestle for five seconds. Michael backed up out of the office stumbling backwards and at that point I saw Stephen had a knife in his right hand. I saw blood on the entrance door to the office. I saw blood on the knife and he said that the knife was a large Bowie type one with a 6 to 8 inch blade with a bright coloured handle. A Rambo was serrated on one side. Another worker at the garage said that seconds before Michael collapsed, he told him, that prick stabbed me. The worker added that there was little blood, but what looked like his intestines are hanging out. Steve Kirkwood said something like, you better phone him an ambulance. That's when I saw the knife. Ian Hamilton rushed outside where Michael was lying on the ground, clearly badly injured. Forbes said about his friend, I thought he was breathing, but it was just air coming from his lungs. Michael wasn't in a good state. I was speaking to him and keeping an eye on Stephen Kirkwood, who was still holding the knife. He stood just looking at Michael for three or four minutes. Then he left the office and he walked out. At the time of the killing, Kirkwood had an extensive record for violence and for carrying weapons. When the offence actually happened, he was on two bail orders for road traffic offences and under the Police and Fire Reform Act. The so detectives were satisfied they had enough evidence to convict Stephen Kirkwood and he was charged with murder. I know it's a cliché to say how much a victim is missed and admired by the community, but this was certainly the case with Michael. There was an intense outpouring of shock and grief. One close friend echoed what so many others said. Today we've lost a great, great man. I'm absolutely devastated to hear the incredibly sad news that Michael Hanlon, Mr Musk, was taken from us in a cruel and cowardly way. I'm still trying to comprehend and process everything and I'm still in total disbelief. He was one of the kindest, loyal, loving, most determined men I've ever met and his wonderful fiancée Eileen Kirkwood loved this man to the boon and back as he did her. You were nothing but an inspiration to me. And Eileen posted the following update on Facebook the day after the killing "Have a way to identify my partner and soulmate's body as most of you know his life was cruelly taken yesterday. To let people know the O'Hanlon name and both businesses will remain. I and Michael's family and close business friends will make sure of that. I will stay strong for my man, and although we didn't get to make our wedding day on August the 15th, my name will still change to O'Hanlon. At his trial, Kirkwood confirmed that he had posted on Facebook the day Michael died and asked Michael to meet him at HK Autotech at midday. He said, I wanted to talk to Michael O'Hanlon, but I didn't want any hassle. He said that after he walked into the garage office, Forbes Cowan came in and, quote, just started shouting. He continued, Out of the corner of my eye, I could see Mr. Cowan throw a punch and grab the back of my jacket. According to Kirkwood, he was by now down on his right knee, and this is when Michael came into the office and both men attacked him with punches. He said, I felt a jagging sensation on the left side of my back coming round to the front. I thought they were going to kill me. I thought they were trying to stab me. At one point I pushed back and I saw the knife on the floor behind my left foot. I grabbed for it and swung it round behind me. When asked how many times he did this swinging gesture, he replied, I don't know, maybe about half a dozen. He continued, Forbes, Cowan backed away from me. I ended up on my feet and Michael backed away towards the door. I edged out and that's when I saw Forbes Cowan handing Michael a pickaxe shaft. He claimed that he was hit on the hand and arm by the shaft as he tried to protect himself, and after that Michael went to sit down with Mr Cowan. He said at that time, I thought that Michael was having a heart attack. The pickaxe handle was by his side. When asked in court about what he'd said in the shop straight after the killing, Kirkwood responded, I don't know what was said in the shop. I wouldn't have said i set about anybody. When I left the garage, I didn't know what had happened. Musk was having breathing difficulties. I didn't think I'd struck Musk with a knife. I never attacked them. They attacked me, so why should I tell someone I barely know that I've just attacked him? I didn't know until 15 minutes after I left the shop that Michael had been stabbed, and I didn't know until 3.45pm in my lawyer's office that he had died. At the end of the trial, in summary, Kirkwood's QC said he used what thoughts he thought at the time was necessary to stop these two big powerful men, each of whom had expressed aggression towards him. My client has severe arthritis. These men were not just looking for violence, but serious violence. Mr Kirkwood could only escape by going through these two men. There was no conversation about resolving any issue. They intended to do violence. And wicked violence to my clients. These are men of such height and strength that if these two came through the door aggressively, anyone would be thinking, This is it, I'm in for it. Although Kirkwood was originally charged with murder, the jury at the High Court in Glasgow unanimously convicted him of the reduced charge of culpable homicide under provocation, and he was sentenced to 14 and a half years behind bars. Judge Lady Ray told Kirkwood The background to this incident appears to have been an exchange of the most insulting and abusive communications between you and your former partner. Each participant was, in my view, as bad as the other and it is frankly astonishing to see adults behaving in this way. The consequences were tragic, leading to the death of a much-loved man. What is clear is you challenged Mr. O'Hanlon to fight. You set the place and time You then went armed with a lethal weapon. You were armed, and in the course of the fight between you and Miss O'Hanlon, which lasted no more than 30 to 60 seconds, you stabbed the deceased four times, causing very serious and fatal injuries. You now, I am told, expressed some regret for the killing, although somewhat belatedly, I suspect, and that regret is directed more towards your predicament rather than real remorse for what you did. As you gave evidence, I detected no remorse whatsoever for causing the death of another human being. You seemed intent on placing the blame on everyone else rather than yourself. As Kirkwood was led away to begin his sentence, he mouthed to his partner, I love you, I'm sorry. Speaking after the verdict, Michael's niece Hayley said, Stephen Kirkwood is an evil man. I hope he rocks in jail for the rest of his life. Speaking outside court afterwards, she added, He's nothing but evil. He's always been evil. Any human rights should be wiped away from him. He's an arrogant man. He just sat there, shaking his head. And Michael's sister Janice said, Michael never sent any of those texts. Michael was a big softie. Bodybuilding was his life. And if Stephen Kirkwood hadn't killed him, he would still be competing. It chilled me to the bone listening to what he did to Michael. Michael's fiancée, Eileen Kirkwood, who has now changed her name by deed poll to O'Hanlon, was not in court to see Kirkwood's sentence. In November 2017, Kirkwood's sentence was cut from 14 and a half years to 12. The appeal judge said, While we can understand that for the deceased family, it's unlikely that any sentence can be described as excessive, we are persuaded that some weight should be attached to the jury's view as to the appellant acting under provocation. So what do you make of what we've heard today? My first thought, however unpopular this is, is why are these grown adults making appointments to have fights? Is this really how some people choose to resolve their differences in their 40s? In fairness to Michael, maybe he was just trying to end the rift between his fiance and her ex-partner, and he thought it was time to talk it through before the upcoming wedding. He wasn't a man of violence. And how about the way that Facebook was used to exchange insults publicly, no doubt adding fire to the dispute? No doubt most of us have seen similar behaviour, or even been involved. But isn't it just a little bit pathetic? Maybe more than just a bit. But then childish threats are a world away from murdering cold blood, and Michael can't have thought for one moment. He was in danger of losing his life and future on that fateful day. From all I've read and heard, Michael O'Hanlon sounds like a really nice guy, generally nice guy, helpful, polite, and described so often as a real gentleman. With so much to live for, why did he put himself in the position of responding to a man like Kirkwood, who a track record of violence and carrying weapons? I find that hard to understand, do you? but maybe due to his physique, he felt that nobody would try to attack him. So we now have a man with everything to look forward to dead at 45, leaving behind a distraught fiancé and devastating friends and family. It all just seemed so pointless. And as for Kirkwood, well, why take a knife to a confrontation? At 43, you'd have thought he'd have realised that nothing good was going to come from that decision. Now he leaves behind a partner, friends and family while he spends time in prison. It's hard for me to comprehend the decisions he took, but I suppose he has plenty of time in his cell to ponder his actions. Thank you for listening to this episode of the UK True Crime Podcast. To discuss this story or any other aspects of UK True Crime, please join almost 42,000 of us at the Facebook group. And to support the show, listen to 47 bonus episodes, join the exclusive Facebook group and see a ton more content, please just head to patreon.com/slash where you can claim your two months free membership. What is there not to like? Thanks again for taking the time to listen to the non-award winning non-nominated 37th most popular true crime podcast in the UK. I guess if what's happening in the world, you must have a bit more time than usual on your hands, right? Anyway, on that time-rich bombshell, I guess a trip to Rochdale is still not seen as an essential journey, so best put it off a little bit longer. That's all for me for this week, so until we speak again, do please take it easy, and despite all the others, do please stay classy.
0: 18 plus.